Yeah, it's been a process from all the from the summertime, so it's uh, nice that it's done and you know we're uh, I'm gonna stay for the next eight years. It's a special, very special feeling. I mean, this has been home for me. Um, this is the longest I've ever spent in one place in my uh, in my entire life. So I mean, it was funny the other day I was talking to uh, to a friend. I don't know, and I said, and then we go home to and referring to Toronto. So. Um, Without even thinking about it, I mean, this is home. I mean, as a player, to feel that they are uh, really investing in in the core, and, um, betting on uh, betting on us, and I think that uh, we feel the same way. And I mean, that's ultimately why I wanted to stay for eight years, is I wanted to give it uh, a run to, to try to win the win the cup. I mean, that's been my last talks here before I signed was how important that was to me. Fan Morning Show Sports at 590 The Fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So William Nylander is now $92 million richer. Brent Gunning is four wisdom teeth lesser. Just two. Oh, actually, sorry, I get to do it all, get to do uh, it all over again. I told people, people asked me, like, yeah. did he get all of I was like, yeah, four. Just, no, not? I lied. No, I that's fine. Though, actually. It's actually reality. way better. It's way better. Okay. Then, then people have more sympathy for me. And it's I, not like people are that invested in my mouth that when no. I go get two more, they'll be like, oh, but did you have six? Like, yeah. people are not remembering this, so it's perfect. How are you feeling? Fine. You, you look fine. Thank you. Don't, you. you don't look inflamed? No, I, it's funny. I, um, I'm the biggest baby in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fine. That was totally fine. I um, may have had a minor, uh, you know, mental breakdown and panic attack leading into it, um, <sighs> which I might have cried to the dentist or been on the verge of tears leading leading into it. Uh, talking about my my father of all things, but oh, once we once we got past that, I was out of there in like thirty minutes, and it was fine. I I ate some soup. I had some butter, uh, some noodles with butter. Oh. I thought you just like had butter. Just, yeah, it's a melted butter. I, look, I I'm not gonna say I'm the healthiest of guys, yeah. but I don't know that I'm just snacking Chewing on, on stick, a stick of butter. Butter. I don't like I don't, a chocolate bar. No, I I did eventually work my way up to a chocolate bar this weekend. Oh, it was good. It was tasty. Mouth's feeling pretty good. Uh, I, my mouth's hurting from wisdom teeth out. William Nylander's mouth hurting from smiling. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why not? You got it all, bud. Uh, it's officially officialized. William Nylander, eight-year extension, $92 million. That's 11 and a half per. $69 million of which is in signing bonuses and a full no-move clause. He, he got it all. I, I don't know what else he could have asked for, but that that seems like about the, the highest high-end projection if we were talking preseason about what this thing could be. This, this I don't even know if this was in the realm of possibility when we were talking about, oh, double digits? Are you crazy? Like, that's a lot for a guy who just had a career year can can he improve on that well he has and he's been rewarded by the Toronto Maple Leafs with the largest extension in team history yeah and I mean you know part of the largest extension in team history is the term part of it as well obviously if Matthews would have gone max term that number would have eclipsed it in a in a pretty pretty big way but that the term is a massive part of the story here you know, I think people look at it two ways. They say, well, William Nylander got everything he wanted, and I think that's absolutely true. I don't think you can sit here and say, oh, the Leafs got a bargain. The Leafs really, really ground him to dust, and we're able to get this on their terms. But the other part of it has to be said, and I want to just get this out of the way at the beginning of the conversation about this because we're going to pick at it. We're going to look at, you know, the negatives or possible downsides. But, you know, just as much as William Nylander got everything he asked for in this contract – 
the Leafs have got everything they have asked for from William Nylander for the better part of two seasons now. And I know people will say, well, what about the seasons leading up to it? Well, there's a reason why he was a $7 million player in his last contract, and he's going to be an $11.5 million player in his next one. You've seen this guy take leaps and, and bounds in terms of the, the jumps he's, he's taken as a player. So that is the thing that I most was thinking of kind of heading into this. That yes, William Nylander got every single thing he asked for. Term, structure, no move, money, everything. But the Leafs also have gotten, to a certain extent, everything they could have, could have asked for out of that player in the entire window that they would have been negotiating this contract. And, and even with yeah. some, some ramp leading up to that. Yeah, he's been really good. Um, and if you were playing this out and, and you were envisioning how this was going to go the first couple of months of the season and you were Brad Drew Living, you're like, what? Okay, so there's – obviously he would prefer him to play well because it For means sure. the team's probably winning and it and it means that, yeah, you can dream on maybe a two-headed monster going forward mm-hmm. of Austin Matthews and William Nylander and Mitch Marner, a 99-point player a year ago and not quite on pace for that uh, point total this year. But, yeah, if, if there's it's a double-edged – sword here mm-hmm. right like with with the improved play and and on pace for a franchise record for points in a single season and approaching 50 goals this year this is what you get especially when you know he has a limited no trade clause especially considering the history with the player who you know is not afraid to take this thing all mm-hmm. the way to the bitter end and risk missing an entire season because he believes in what his value is this was always a possibility, and it's hard. Okay, yeah, I, I like the player. I've enjoyed watching him this season, too, and I wish we didn't have to do the, like, well, what does this mean going forward and, oh, the cap structure and paying, you know, two guys this much money and what does it mean for Marner and yada, 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 mm-hmm. and that is a that is a tomorrow conversation, and we are still in this season, but this is the reality of living in a, in a cap world, and it's hard, man. It's really hard not to look at, Brad for living in the early days, and we're not even mm-hmm. a year into his tenure. And look at at some of the and and like there's lots of positives there too. Mm-hmm. Like Martin Jones, who's the number one goaltender for this team, who's having a, a renaissance year at 34 years old, but was acquired as the third goalie within this organization for this expressed purpose, right? If somebody goes down, a guy that can step into that role. Simon Benoit, mm-hmm. a guy picked up off the scrap heap. Now he's playing in the top four. Uh, it looks like Tyler Bertuzzi and 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 Max Domi are assimilating well to to this team, but boy, this is a tough one. When you go back to and I know he was also put into a tough spot, especially time wise, when he got the gig, and there were bigger fish to fry. Most notably, number thirty four, getting him into an extension. Mm-hmm. This this does not indicate to me somebody whose strength is negotiating. Free agent contracts. I know he's not a free agent. Negotiating contracts in general. Unfair way to look at it, but the last three big deals Brad for Living has signed, Austin Matthews, no one going to complain about. William Nylander, I I think we're all going to complain about in the moment, and I think through the first half of that deal, there will be minimal complaining for the most part is how I kind of expect that to go. But the other one is he also signed Jonathan Huberto to the contract yeah. that the Flames are now tape or are now you know stuck with the the other thing i think of and i'm just going to posit this question to you because i'm not sure 100 percent how i feel about it is obviously you know we don't need to relitigate everything that happened this offseason with the leafs but part of the benefit that people thought you would get from a new set of eyes on it a new hand on the wheel whatever term you wanted was that well you're going to be able to strike a different tone you're going to be able to set a different tone with bargaining now i do not 
completely throw away the idea that the tone had already been set. The die had already been cast with negotiating with this core because of the way it went last time. Mm. I'm not a a hundred percent believer in that theory, but I also don't poo poo it either. Where are you at on the idea of the die was already cast with these guys when they got everything the first time around. And I don't, I don't actually believe that Nylander got everything he wanted the first time around. Again, like look at the contract Mm -hmm. that he has played on for the better part of it. But there is definitely a sentiment that said, well, you, they, they already got the world on the first negotiations. How can you tell them they don't on, on the second time when they're more established players and they have more bargaining power because they're UFAs? Sure. I mean, I think the real. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with a, an assertion that if Brad for Living came close to William Nylander's number before the season, this is a lesser number. Like, it's he could have gotten this done in the probably $10 million-ish range? Uh, I think Fridge would Fridge would argue, right? Like, that's part of what was going around yesterday, the idea of what was available mm. in this. Uh, you know, sorry, I thought we went over all this. So do we, you 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 can make eye contact with the guys behind the glass, so I'll just ask for it. Now, do we have that clip of Fridge talking about what was available in the summer versus now? Because if we're going to talk about it, we should hear it from the source. I'm not sure if we... If we yeah, have they're that grinding on that one. Okay. Oh, no, we got it. All right, here's here's uh, Elliot Friedman. The only thing I was ever just really wondering about was the exact number. It was such a secret for a little while. I was wondering if there was something we just didn't see out there. Um, you know, the, the only thing that has kind of surprised me today, I have to say, Nick, is the idea that if they've done it in the summer, it might have only cost a nine and a half. Like, I, I don't think that was ever the case. I think... Nylander and his camp made it very clear that if they if the Maple Leafs wanted to sign him, whether it was the summer or it was now, it was going to be in this range. And I, I don't think the idea of signing him for eight and a half or nine and a half was, I mean, maybe the Leafs thought they were going to do that, but I just don't think that was ever on the table from Nylander and, and his camp. Yeah, no, obviously not nine and a half, but remember how ridiculous it sounded when we were talking about double digits. Like, I, I, I think if you... And it would have felt like a huge concession at the time, yes, but like, and you wouldn't have known that this is the the season would have played out the way it did, and the number would be eleven and a half. Mm-hmm. I feel comfortable in saying, even after hearing Elliot Friedman say that, you could have gotten this done at less than eleven and a half over eight if you do this before the season, right? Yes. And you bet on the player, you bet on the player improving himself yet again for a third consecutive season. That's my guess. But yeah, to your point about new new eyes on on this organization, and is there something different? To, to be seen. I mean, this is yesterday. I talked about this before it was official mm. that, you know, before Kyle Dubas was summarily dismissed and waved goodbye to the organization. And, you know, and that's a tough timing for that to happen for Brendan Shanahan again. And maybe we can talk about that in a second. There was like an indication that like, maybe there's a different way he needed to view the building of this team. And like that maybe didn't mean a breaking up of the four dudes, but like, and an acceptance that, you know, maybe I shouldn't be so steadfast mm-hmm. in my year after year assertion that this is the best way to build this team. You get a new guy in here, and guess what happened? He did the thing that we all, like, I think if anybody just hadn't watched the last seven years of this team and just had fresh eyes on the way this team plays in the regular season and the star power that exists and their ability to put the back, puck in the back of the net, who wouldn't bank on this being a, a way that eventually would allow you to break through in the postseason. The fact that it hasn't for, for seven years, I, it does inform the the way 
you have to view this team, but I, I'm not at all surprised that Brad Living's making the same bet that Kyle Dubas did on this core four. Yeah, I'm not. And and the the part of this that you have to talk about with the idea of a contract versus taking the different path that was available to them was Trilliving had, it, it was completely unfair to expect Brad Trilliving from the time he took over to, for, or from the time he took over to the, when the no trade clauses kicked in for all of these guys on July 1st to make a smart, informed, not rushed, not panicked hockey trade for, be it Marner, be it Nylander, it wasn't going to be, but heaven forbid, an Austin Matthews, something like that. If that is what you felt you had to do, that was such a sea change in the way they wanted to go about their business and the time frame. I don't think it would have been pragmatic to have made that move, to have traded one of those guys. I'm not saying you couldn't have made a good trade, but to have made a rush trade in the four weeks, five mm-hmm. weeks that he had to kind of put this this all And to- Freeman did re- report that the, the Leafs canvassed the league yep. in, in a potential William Nylander trade, and everybody else said, well, yeah, we're okay, if we trade for the player, what, what is... Will he resign? And what is the number that he resigns at? Well, and even you know, not that not that McKee and I, you know, know know all about this, but we were in this time slot. We were doing some of our Nylander trades heading into the season. Of okay, let's say you could trade him right now, and he'd wave the and everything. What would that look like? And you know, we're looking at a Keandre Miller trade, guys of that ilk. Who are don't get me wrong, that's a really nice player. That's a really nice defenseman. Would you be giving up a 100-point guy? William in- Nylander, again, it deserves restating. On pace to set a franchise yes. record for single point, uh, yes. single season point total. Absurd. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to put Doug Gilmore in his rearview mirror. Now, it ha- he has to play out mm-hmm. over 82 games, but he's been the model of consistency all season long. I mean, have you seen anything no. during his regular season to indicate that that's not... You know, the, the, there's some slowdown upcoming for him because nope. I haven't. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it either. The other, I, I do just want to double or or go back for a second to the idea of them being able to get a better deal. I, you know, this is revisionist history. We'll never know. I, again, am not so certain. I'm not saying you couldn't have got this done for 11 in the summer or something along those lines. But the, but what that's I kept, a half a million dollars. And that's not nothing. But what I kept coming back to was the idea that go look at the UFA market and it just continued to shrink. And I'm not talking about last year's. I'm talking about the one coming. Shifley got signed. Hellybuck got signed. Stamkos is really the only guy of note out there. And I think that Nylander would have been, even if the offers were, like I said, 11, 10, 5, I think he would have been comfortable saying, I'm getting 10, 5 on the open market. Even if I just do what I did last year and I'm Mm. an 87 point guy, as a 27-year-old that does not cost you an asset, caps going up, somebody was going to give it to him. I'm not sitting here and saying that this is some masterclass in negotiation. Far, <laughs> far from it. I don't actually know what was negotiated because yeah. we heard a week ago it could have been 11-2-5, and then all of a sudden it said a, it's it's an 11-5, and the deal is, is done. So I don't... You know, I think it is good that the player is here. I think given the parameters that Tre Living had to work under, I'm not going to say this was the best he could have done, but this was a fine outcome. But I, the other thing I keep coming back to, and we heard this a lot, anybody who brings up, oh, I've heard the caps going up before, is being disingenuous, okay? If, if you think another global pandemic is coming, I don't know, go buy gold or whatever it is that a smart money person would tell you to do yeah. and, and actually do something with that forecasting. I think the cap will continue to go up. But I've also heard before that, ah, this Matthews deal is going to be a trendsetter and every other player in the league is going to take these four, five years. And then it it hasn't it hasn't happened. I and now we're hearing 
These NHL players are done. They're looking around at all the other sports and they're seeing middling relievers making the same money that Austin Matthews does and say, no, I'm done. I want to get paid like other superstars in other sports and I'm going to start grabbing as much of the pie as possible. I need to see it. Mm. I need to see it. And, you know, the frustrating part is there isn't a benchmark guy coming up until it's McDavid and Dreisaitl. And we got to wait a couple of years for that because Elias Pedersen is the big boy this summer. Yeah. He's an RFA. It's a completely different animal. Well, it's one year RFA. It's not, it's not a completely, completely different, but it does change the parameters a little bit. For sure. It is like we, we can talk about the raw dollars and, and that's the headline item, right? You see 11 and a half and that jumps off the page. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's wise to view this in percentage of the cap, right? That's, that's, that's the way we should be looking at this. And the 13.12% of the cap next season that William Nylander is under contract for is actually, it's, well, I mean, the raw numbers are also behind Panarin, but he, he at the time that he signed his deal, that was over 14% of the cap. Even last year, 11 from mm-hmm. David Pasternak, higher percentage of the cap this season, 13.64. Even Mitch Marner, at the time he signed his deal for less than $11 million per, 13.38% of the cap. Again, William Nylander, 13.12. I I don't want to get too bogged down with the money and the numbers because mm-hmm. it, it makes me feel like an accountant and I'm not smart enough mm-hmm. to, to talk about money to, to, too much and the percentage of the caps. And it's also boring. Like I, I just, I, I'd, I'd like to talk about the hockey part of it, but I, I will, I will leave it at this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a masterclass in negotiating, but Brad, you're living he was between a rock and a hard place. If you want to have a problem with the number, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying you shouldn't. If you want to have a problem with the way this played out, mm-hmm. your ire should be directed at Brendan Shanahan mm. because of the timing, because of the timing of the Kyle Dubas dismissal, because of the weeks leading up to that and figuring out that Bradford Living was the guy and the situation that he found himself in with the number of line items he had mm. to hit before eventually getting to this understanding how difficult this would be, that the Matthews one would always be easier because it's Austin freaking Matthews. He scored the most goals in the National Hockey League since he stepped onto the ice surface. So, yeah, you do whatever it takes to get Austin Matthews to the highest cap hit in the National Hockey League. You know he's not going to push it to eight years because he's going to reset the market again when he hits the open market. This was always going to be very difficult, even more difficult, when you have a general manager taking over in the middle of the offseason. It's just, just the way it is. Yeah, it, it was. I I think in order, I think it's, you need to mention when saying that, that even me, as as big a Kyle Dubas guy as there is, I don't know that I'm, not to say that there wouldn't have been a trade or a completely different path taken. I don't know how much different this deal looks if it's Kyle Dubas negotiating it. Do we think we live in a world where Kyle Dubas ground this down to? And again, like I'm saying, this is a guy who uh, I was there in the wars. I was on. I was on the Dubasite side. I I fought the good fight. Okay, but even I am not going to sit here and tell you. Well, he would have found a way to grind this thing. I mean, down. is there any indication? I I guess like y- your evidence art- would be that like they they did like he also held firm until he didn't, and then yes. acquiesced to William Nylander's number. In an, in Honestly, an RFA if, negotiation, if I if if Kyle Dubas is still the GM, and I one God, one day we'll get to a point where we don't have to say that sentence regarding all all these Leaf matters. I think it'll be when this Leaf score is gone from this team. No, when is that though? That's another well, thing that, I want to get to. It's like no so, time soon. yeah, no, no move clause for him. Obviously, Austin Matthews total no move clause, and 
you know, Mitch Marner, he's got an upcoming extension mm-hmm. negotiation coming up maybe this offseason into next season. But he has a no-move clause until yes. the end of his contract term mm-hmm. at the conclusion of next year. John Tavares is not going to be making $11 million bucks. He's got a no-move clause also to the mm-hmm. end of next year. But, like, yeah, you figure it's going to be a team-friendly number. This is it. Like, I, if there was ever even, like, a modicum of your, like, a little part, maybe point one 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 a zero one one zero zero one percent of your brain that was like, oh, well, maybe the Leafs do move off of this core if things continue to go haywire. Like, how long can you continue to bang your head against the wall? I mean, the 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 best case for that is you lose Mitch Marner for nothing. Well, he's never. There's no world I can envision in which Mitch Marner is like, yeah, no, I'll wave everything and I'll, I'll wave goodbye to my hometown team and and the place that I hope to be a legend in. Yeah, I the Marner part of that is definitely possible, but just sticking with Nylander in the the you know parallel universe there, I think the most likely outcome would have been. Kyle Dubas and Shanahan and everybody blinking or walking this thing right down to the bitter end to July 1st, where he's a free agent. I think it is way more likely that he would have said, okay, we can get 11-5. Like if he really thinks it's home and da-da-da-da-da, we can get 11-5 in the summer. And even if it's 11 times 7, maybe that's not the actual worst thing as opposed to 11 times 8. If they, you know, if they go past the July 1st window and he is technically not a leaf re-signing as opposed to just straight free agent. I think that's actually way more likely than some sea change where you, if they weren't going to, if they were going to make a move, it was heading into this season. I don't think it would have been coming out of this. The, and then, so that's why I think the most likely outcome would have been, yeah, you would have had them waiting saying, all right, great. You're performing. Yeah. That's the roll of the dice, right? Like that's, if you, if you, if you wanted Brad for living to push this thing, like that you're banking on this always being available for for William Nylander mm-hmm. at the conclusion of the season, depending on how, he, I mean, he finishes up, depending on how the team finishes, that 11 and a half, it's not going to get worse than this is what you're banking on, nope. I guess. The, the other weird part about Nylander is how many times have we said this about, I don't know, pretty much every athlete uh, over the last five years? Of, well, you know, progress is not linear. False. With yeah, William Nylander, him, it is hard and fast linear. 80 points, 87 points, going to easily eclipse, we think, 87 points. 34 goals, 40 goals, probably going to eclipse 40 goals. If there was ever a time to say, all right, you've slowly built, you've proved it. We loved what, like, we can all do the, oh, Willie took shifts off thing. We loved the player that existed three years ago. Okay, we got frustrated. We pull our hair out at him. Or, or hair at times out because of what he would do. We still love that player. He has only taken hard and fast, concrete steps to become better in each of those years since. If a guy has ever proven, and this is the, the he is the poster boy for contract years and peaking at the right time and all of that. But if anyone actually had a building track record to prove that this is who they are, as opposed to. Well, all of a sudden, I'm a 120-point guy. That's not what's happening here. He's been slowly building as he has slowly reached the peak of his of his powers here. And, you know, I'm not saying I expect him to fall off a cliff anytime soon, but he's 27 years old. Like, this is the time for the next two, three seasons. And not to say I expect it to fall off a cliff at that point, but this is as good a Nylander as you're going to get. So this is when you would pay the guy, and I don't worry. I'm not saying it's going to look this way in year five of the deal, but I don't worry about it falling off a cliff next year or, quite frankly, next week now that he's got paid. No, it's and it's not just the counting stats, right? Like, he's playing more minutes. He's playing in all situations. Penalty he's killing, killing yeah. penalties. He's on the ice in five-on-six situations at the end of games, scoring into empty nets. And no, 
it's it's not it's not the poster boy for the contract year. That was Aaron Judge hitting 62 home runs, right? right. Like for the New York freaking Yankees going into a contract year and we're uh, winning an American League uh, MVP award. But uh, yeah, it, it's hard to argue with the production of William Nylander. Um, and you can not like the number, but you can understand why it is what it is. What is does this at all in any way? Because all of the, it's funny, we have the, what does this do to the perception of the player after they sign the contract? Does this change the perception of Nylander in any way, shape, or form? To me, it I mean, it, it, allows, it means he has to be this forever. That, that's what I was going to get at. It allows people to hold his feet to the fire. But how much did we talk about if there was a bit of a turning point with Marner or where mm-hmm. everybody went from the rose-colored glasses to looking at it slightly differently? It was the last contract negotiation. Mm-hmm. I don't know that people view this one this way. I think people people look at all the other ones as going, oh, these guys just wind and wind and wind and eventually got what they want. Even people who think the Leafs just capitulate and give everyone everything they want. And, hey, fair to say, look at the deal that just got signed. I think people look at Nylander and say, all right, even if you were the most skeptical of the player, mm. everything we just said, go, right, he's he's earned it. I, like the, the most skeptical people want to even have to tip their cap to this. Yeah, one and the circumstances extent. also uh, factor into it because Mitch Marner didn't miss any game time. He missed training camp, right? Yep. Like there was there was some real angst about him maybe missing regular season time. And and go back to the first William Nylander. A restricted, a restricted free agency mm-hmm. negotiation in which he almost missed the entire season, but missed what a third of that season and the two thirds that he played wasn't that good. No, nope. like yeah, remember the the scorn directed his way by the fan base. That yeah, while I'm sure there were some tense moments behind the scenes that that nothing actually spilled over into onto the ice or into any actual team activities missed. I th- I think that does factor into it. And yeah. again, like there's, you can look at the percentage of the cap and, and you can make the argument that this is more than fair value for William Nylander. It's a high number though, especially considering what we we're talking about before the season. I would just like to see somebody else sign a high number soon, please. And not, that's not the well, best or second like, best player uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Panarin like, scored 61 goals last year, but he had a higher percentage. Uh, or yep. Sorry, uh, Pasternak scored yes. 61 goals last year and... I, I get it, and he had proven more mm-hmm. for longer than than William Nylander has or is. Yep. But yeah, the percentage is higher than William Nylander's will be mm-hmm. next season because the inflation. Because you know, finger thing means inflation. Yeah, now. it used to mean the taxes, but now it means inflation. inflation. Cost me fifty dollars to get uh, two submarine sandwiches o- over the weekend. Were they were they plated in gold? No, they are just normal foot long subs in in combo form. Anyways. Okay. Um, yeah, no, much. not it's an st- issue for William Nylander. He's eating subs all the time. It's too much. Money. I'm so mad now for yeah. you. I can only imagine how you felt. <laughs> One, it was your money, and you hate spending money more than I do, I feel uh, like. I do. Does anyone like spending money? But no. Yeah, I, I don't like it. Um, just I, You just answered the question there. You were, like, <laughs> upset at my assertion, and then you're like, who even likes to spend money? Nobody. Nobody. All right, so maybe he's spending lots of money. Oh, wait, that's a lie. Brad for living. He mm-hmm. loves to. He does. He's like, here's $92 million of it. Here's the good news for Brad for living, though. He gets to watch his team play the worst team in hockey again tonight in the San Jose Sharks. Who well, they, look- avo- they avoided a trap game once. There's no way they could they could have do it twice, right? Yeah. I Again, so last week, I guess it was Friday show on, on the Wake and Rake, I, I talked about, hey, you know, I know this is a team that struggles to get up for these bottom feeder teams, but this Sharks team is so bad, I don't know if you can avoid it. That Sharks team is worse than bad. Like, they're 
the 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 one Nylander goal there was a two on zero down low in the zone, but it wasn't like a turnover. It was just like oh yeah, the Sharks like missed a defensive coverage, and there was like a give and go in front of the. Uh, in front of the crease for about 10 seconds. <laughs> absurd. It is, it is absurd. Martin Jones going to start yet again tonight. You're going to be okay. The Sharks. I, I mean, I would like to know what the plan is going forward. If, if Dennis Hildeby is just going to make his debut on Sunday against uh, a Red Wings team, that's, that's fighting and clawing to, to make the playoffs. And- not, it's not going to happen, but could you imagine? It's like, my God, that's Ilya Samsonov's music. Well, I, I don't discount the possibility. You think for sure it's not going to happen? Because I'd... No, I'd, no I'd, you're, you're right. I'd, I think, like, the longer this goes without Dennis Hildeby appearing in a game and against, uh, like, not just bad Sharks team, like, god-awful yeah. Sharks team. I mean, it seems like a, a beautiful landing spot for him. I really... I'm loath to believe that the Leafs think that that's a great way to make his debut on the back end of back-to-backs against a much better team in the Detroit Red Wings. If that's not happening, it does feel like they they maybe don't want this to happen in the National Hockey League. Like they're open. Like once you're on the roster and once you're on the mm-hmm. bench, like there's an injury possibility. There's a a pulled goalie situation where like yeah, you 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 can conceivably end up in a game even if you don't start. But it does feel like as the days progress here. We're getting a pretty good indication this franchise doesn't want to see Dennis Hill to be on the ice. No, I'm I'm with you. I think, which is weird because it's counterintuitive to the quote we heard out of Keefe when they first started talking about the possibility of it and that's sounding more and more like lip service and us reading way, way too much into things. This is the only spot that you would feel safe about putting him in. It would have been in San Jose, and I, I pounded the desk and screamed from the rooftops that you could not do that to, to newly minted Leafs legend Martin Jones, that you had to give him the game there. This was the other spot. The idea of put the kid in here, avoid the idea of a of a trap game. I do wonder if now Newlander's contract is the new, like this isn't a trap game. You got to show up. No way you can lay a stinker after giving William Newlander 92 million bucks. Feels like that'd be tough to do, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that this would have been a pretty safe spot to put the kid in. And you're right. The longer it goes on, maybe it's possible, but how could like, what would be your confidence rating? And I, I would give you a zero to 10 scale, but there's no point in having numbers three to 10 available. So like zero to two scale, how confident would you be in Elias Samsonov so if he got the net? The Marlies next play on Friday against mm-hmm. the Binghamton sure. Senators. Baby sense. Just go with that. Yeah, that would have been easier. Yeah. Um, then you sound cool, like baby sense. Okay, do you, you give, no, so, do you no. give Samsonov? There's nothing, to, there's nothing to do down there. You don't think he's going to play at all for the Marlies? I don't think so. I think that playing goaltender well then, well in the then, American League is such a a completely different animal, especially for a guy who is, an, and I know he doesn't feel like it right now, but this guy has been playing American League games for years. Like mm. the idea of going back down, goalies will talk about it, that the that playing goal there is so much different than even defending there or playing forward at that level, well then, if, very if, different. If you believe that he's not playing a game for the Marlies, then you do believe that he's coming up to play on Sunday against the Red Wings. Like, what, what are you doing here? He's just going to sit there festering for the rest of the season, then release him. That's not happening either. Yeah. What are you talking about? No, either well, he's playing for the Marlies well, or he's I, getting called up for the, I'm the willing weekend. To, I'm willing to believe that they think whatever the issues are that are that need to be fixed with him or whatever coddling or building back up or however you want to phrase it that needs to happen down there, I don't think it necessarily needs to have happened in the, what, three weeks that he's been down there or it can never happen. I'm willing to believe and, you know, I've... I want to be clear. My actual belief in this is that Ilya Samsonov is kind of done playing goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs 
forever. That's mm. kind of my belief on this, but I don't think that just because it's not fixed now doesn't mean they can't. They don't think they can throw him in the net again two weeks from now or something along those lines. My guess is honestly, either Dennis Hildeby's NHL debut happens on Sunday against the Detroit Red Wings, or Ilya Samsonov gets into that game at home for for the Marlies against the Binghamton. Senators. Baby sense. Why is that so difficult for me to say? I would. Ju- I, I. You know my move when things are difficult for me to say is just not to say them. Coach Darko. I'm not. I'm not Baby a coward. Sense. I'm not a coward though. I am. I told you I was crying to my dentist. Yeah. On Friday. No, so not a coward. Over coward. Here. Um. Yeah. Start him against the baby sends on Friday, nah, and then coward. And then start him if if all things go according to Hoyle in that game. And and he has his sea legs under him, and you have maybe a sense of belief that he's over whatever mental issues he was going through this season. You start him on Sunday, the back end of back-to-backs against the Detroit Red Wings. I and- mean, I, I want to be clear. Sure, I'll buy into that. He is a goaltender who's lost his way. If you want to told me you would want to give him Joe Wall's itinerary for whatever it was he was doing in the Swiss Alps and said, mm-hmm. I know it's cold, but go do that. Apparently, it's what gets guys right. Mm-hmm. I'll buy into that. But there then is- they have high ankle sprains because they, you know their ankles have been weakened by... Thank you for reminding me. Joe Wall mountains. should have been focused on the season mm-hmm. and not gallivanting like he's a mountain goat up in Switzerland. Then we wouldn't have had this high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. I did say I was going to run to that take and I totally yeah. forgot about it and you retroactively reminded about You're it. Welcome. Me. Thank you. Happy Monday for me. I know you <laughs> had to work yesterday. Yeah, today's Tuesday. No, no, but for me it's Monday. <laughs> All right. So what will Friday be? No, no, Thursday? tomorrow I just jumped to Wednesday tomorrow. Okay. It's like right. Tuesday never happened. Cuz it's like Monday, Monday's the worst one. So if uh-huh. you get it over with, you feel like you really accomplished something. And yesterday I just kind of lied lied in my house uh that vaguely out of it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. Well, the, lots uh, more Leafs conversation to come on this program, as you would expect after William Nylander officializes his eight year extension. Um, the Toronto International Boat Show is returning to the Entercare Center at Exhibition Place from January 19th till the 28th, giving away tickets to the event ballots for a chance to win the grand prize, a Prince Craft fishing boat with a Mercury engine and trailer. We also have our own VIP prize, which includes dinner for two a $100 shopping spree at the show, and an overnight stay at the Weston Harbor Castle. Just listen for the code words on our show today until January 19th. Text the code word to 59590. You'll be entered for a chance to win. Today's code word is Enercare. We have another code word, actually, later on in the program, and then tomorrow and the rest of the week. So make sure you keep tuning in. When we come back, Raptors also in action tonight as they play the Lakers first half of back-to-back against the L.A. teams. We'll talk about that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Raptors continue their assault on the Western Conference tonight. By the way, they got their, like, one of the final looks at John Morant, who's out for the season. Mm-hmm. Shoulder surgery. It's, it's rough. a shame. For uh, a Grizzlies team that was showing some life with, obviously, he should have done that elite in the players. first 25 games this season. What? The, the shoulder, shoulder surgery? surgery? Yeah, I yeah. don't he should have like done a tarot card reading and been like, I will need shoulder surgery. I'm suspended for the first 25 games. Yeah. yeah. 
And I think that might have still taken him out for, for the season. Probably. Some um, math works. Uh, Pertle out tonight after that ankle twist. He landed, I think it was Pascal Siakam's foot. Anyways, mm-hmm. he's out for uh, tonight game, uh, tonight's game against the Lakers, 1030. You can hear this game on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Raptors looking to assure themselves of at least a 500 road trip on this tough six-gamer. So they, they took two of the first three games. The one loss that they had was on Friday to a Kings team that shot 700% from three. I didn't even know that was possible. And they still had a chance, the Raptors did, to win it with an Emmanuel quickly three at the end of regulation. He missed it and it looked like kind of awkward. But yeah, the last two-minute report did say that he was fouled on a three-point shot. So like could have, in an alternate reality, had three free throws to tie that and game. And that, honestly, that's what we want in the world is to wake up a day later saying that the guy in the raps could have possibly had free throws. Yeah, that feels can, so much better. You can argue about like the the purpose of the last two minute report, and I, I would hear your argument. I understand why <laughs> there's they no exist. pleasing us. Yeah, because it doesn't exist in other sports, and I just scream about it, going, "Admit your screw ups." So yeah. there's no pleasing. Me. I mean, the idea is it's it's supposed to be a level of transparency for a team that has a very notable refereeing scandal. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, one of the, a former referee. Did time in the big house because he was gambling on games that he Not officiated. Just, also, just to clarify, he might have also gone to college football games to watch the Michigan Wolverines, but you're talking about jail. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, shout out to the, the Wolverines. Who and whatever Harbaugh brother, I can never remember which is which. Whatever one won Jim. that game. Okay, Jim, if you say so. Jim I, wears the chinos from Costco. No, no, I very, I very much know they have distinct looks and personalities. But but John Jim, was there. I did see that. And then they told a story about the dad who's just like, no matter what happens, best day of our life. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had that in me. I certainly don't. How about like when they met in the Super Bowl? Wasn't yeah. that a pretty good moment as well? Yeah. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. We're being... My fault. Okay, so they've won two of the first three <laughs> on this road trip. They've won three of the four with the new dudes. And... Yep. Yeah, we, we said, if nothing else, this is a more entertaining game that the Raptors are playing since mm-hmm. the OG Ananobi trade for Emmanuel Quickly and, and R.J. Barrett. Well, it's been more than that. It's been very effective. I, and you can you can quibble about how, how, how many wins they're going to continue to stack up, like how sustainable is the way they're playing. Yep. Again, Jakob Pertl, I mean, they've been pretty healthy all season long. Um, does it run a bad health, throw a wrench into things? You can also argue about the individual performance, how sustainable they are. As I, I, I want to talk about that mm-hmm. right now because at the time of the trade, yes, R.J. Barrett, to many people, maybe the uninitiated, R.J. Barrett was the, the guy, the headline item, right? Because he's from Mississauga. His, his last name is basketball royalty in this country, and Rowan Barrett, the mm-hmm. GM of the national team, and... His continued... Steve Nash is his godfather. Yeah, his continued uh, showing up for for every time he's asked by uh, Canada basketball at every international event, including a bronze medal performance at the World Championships this this past summer. But true, like if you dug into it and you thought about it a little bit longer, it's like quickly was the guy that made more sense for this team looking for a lead guard type, a guy that can shoot three, who's young, who fits the timeline, who's a restricted free agent, who you're obviously going to sign and and be Scotty Barnes's running mate. So Quickly's assimilation to this team, not at all surprising. And you know what? The numbers are not that off from his career norms. He's, he's playing seven more minutes a game, which you would expect for a guy that did not get a single start for the Knicks 
this season. The three-point average slightly up. He's shooting 40%, but like he's a career 37, 38% three-point shooter. He shoots the three extremely well. And actually, the overall shooting percentage, again, we're talking about the tiny, tiny sample of four games here, but the overall shooting percentage is down. So like on twos, he hasn't actually shot them as well as he had generally throughout his entire career. The assist number was way up. He had nine assists in the first half against the Warriors. But yeah, he's been pretty in line with what you would expect. R.J. Barrett now. And, of course, a lot of this filtered through the 37 points he scored uh, against the Warriors on Sunday, which is the second most ever scored by a Canadian in a Raptors uniform. But he's only playing two more minutes a game for the Raptors than he was as a Nick. He's attempting fewer field goals per game. He's making more of them, though. He's shooting over 50% from three. So I get, we can take that one out of the equation. That one's probably not sustainable, but he is a guy that shot over the course of an entire season, mm-hmm. his second year, over 40% from three. Is this a new dude? Like, is there a possibility that that you're getting the absolute best out of R.J. Barrett and that he is going to reach new heights that he's never before reached as a member of the New York Knicks? I think there's definitely a higher level to the player than what we've seen. I'm not going to get carried away that this is a new version and being at home is going to unlock something of him. I think this is what you what you look at and what you can see from your, you know, let's just call him a third banana level player. You know, on some teams, he can be a second guy for sure. But, you know, on a great team, he's no better, I don't think, for most people at this point for sure than a third option. We're just used to that guy being OG Ananobi. And that looks like 37 points, but it's the defensive version of that, whatever it is, where he just locks up the other team's best player. RJ Barrett is not that guy. He'd not say he's a useless defender or terrible, but that's not at all what is the purpose of him on a team. He is a more offensively tilted ver- or a more offensively, you know, defined player. So his outburst nights aren't going to look like what OGs looked like, where it was, I'm going to go and lock down the other team's best player. I'm going to hold, I'm going to make this other superstar's life so difficult. For Barrett, it looks like this. So I don't think we, I don't think we should get carried away that maybe this is a new version of a player. I just think that these nights are occasionally what you will see from a player like this who now has a little more freedom to rain or freedom to to operate in this offense then the other part of it as well is i'm not poo-pooing the canadian aspect of it i think there is definitely something to be more comfortable being at home and being in a a reset situation where you're not the third overall pick you're not even the crown jewel of the trade you're kind of the second piece even in that and it allows you to just have a reset so i i think there is definitely more to rj barrett that we can see but i don't want to get carried away because i think that these are this is what you see as outburst nights from an offensively inclined kind of you know second tier star on a team. I I think there's there's more to RJ Barrett than he's shown as a member of the New York Knicks. And I I think circumstance, I think environment is is part of it. I I, I just think having the the pressures of being that third overall selection, being kind of the booby prize in a in a draft that man had two like felt like surefire all-stars at the very tippy top of the draft. And that's been proven correct. I mean, various circumstances have taken John Morant and Zion Williamson out of that equation for a bit, but those, those were the two prizes. And then, oh man, the Knicks, nothing goes right for them. They ended up with the third overall pick in a draft that was top two picks heavy. And you have the weight of being that guy for a half decade. And I get it. Like since then they, they've, uh, acquired Bronson and Julius Randle was acquired at the same time. But like those two guys have emerged as 
the the two leaders of that team while you were still there. But I, I'm sure mentally, not just for him, mm-hmm. but like for the fan base, there was still a belief that this is eventually going to be the number one option on this team. He arrives in a circumstance where that's never going to be the case. Like, it's just not, right? Yep. Like, Scotty Barnes is the future of this franchise, and as long as Pascal Siakam's here, he's a former all-star, you, you can't tell me that, that that's not a different mentality, that he's operating in a different circumstance where the expectations are different. Even if they eventually evolve to different expectations in New York, he arrives day one, the expectations are different, where, you know, some people are talking about your contract being a not just negative asset, a toxic a toxic asset. So, like, anything you provide that's of any value offensively feels like it's it's found money. You can't tell me that that doesn't impact the mentality of a player. No, for sure. I think I think that is the biggest case. I don't think that it's some different player. I think it's a completely different circumstance. And then, you know, we've talked a lot about it as well. You go from a situation of Tibbs to to the idea of what what you've got here with Coach Darko. It's like it's orange slices and backpats. And if you're trying to build a player up, and you know, I don't I don't think R.J. Barrett was you know lost lost or anything like that. But if you're trying to build a player up, I think there's this is a really really good scenario for that to happen. And then yeah, you see that offensive outburst, the fact that it comes relatively early on in his Raptors career, that only bodes well for him. And I I do think it's it's just a really really smart really nice trade that's worked out well for him. I did want to talk quickly about quickly. Do you have anything more on Barrett or I I kind of want to talk about quickly for a second. And, you know, I don't have a hard and fast like ranking for this, but when was the last time there was a Raptor that was just this enjoyable to watch that seemed to enjoy and love Mm. basketball so much. And like Pascal plays with a smile when things are going well. And Scotty seems to love life, but I mean the skipping on the sidelines, maybe it's just the fact that there hasn't been a guard that plays like this for this Raptors team in so, so long. But I mean, when was the last time? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it was since Vince because obviously Vince was a completely different Mm. animal and I don't want to compare the two, but DeMar DeRozan, I loved everything he represented about this team. I loved watching him, but you know, he was a slow kind of plodding methodical guard. Things would get gummed up with him. Kyle Lowry, God love him. Don't take this as a slight, but close your eyes and think about a play. It's him taking a charge. It's not exactly the most aesthetically pleasing style of basketball. Even Kawhi Leonard for how transcendent and incredible he was. He was a killing machine. That wasn't a guy who played the game with a ton of joy and verve in life. Like, when was the last time we had a player like this who just seemed to, I mean, there have been role players who filled this niche, but a guy who just seemed to genuinely love being a Raptor and playing the game. And maybe it's just that there's been a dearth of that player with this franchise for so, or that type of player with this Mm -hmm. franchise for so long, but he has been just such a breath of fresh air. And I don't mean just in terms of what he's meant on the court, because that for sure, but it's the play style. It's his vibe. It's the way he carries himself. It's the skipping. It's, it's all of it. Like I can't remember the last time a guy seemed to be having this much fun as a Raptor. Well, and who can blame him? Because I, I get it. Like, and, and for a guy who's not Canadian, you're leaving the Mecca, you're leaving MSG, you're leaving a good Knicks team and you're going to the Raptors. Come on. Come on. It's the Raptors. But yeah. your guys coming off the bench, you're a restricted free agent. You go from a circumstance where you're going to be forever buried behind Jalen Brunson to a situation where, like, the sky's the limit for him. It's like, now, you, you again, you can maybe think of R.J. Barrett in this mold if, mm-hmm. if he continues to throw up 30 point, for sure. 37 point efforts. But it's like it's Scotty Barnes, it's Emmanuel. Quickly, you, you've you've turned yourself into 
And especially if the the distribution thing continues to 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 be uh, a bigger part of your game than it was in New York with the nine assists in the first half um, against the Warriors on Sunday. No, you're going to make yourself plenty of money as a restricted free agent, and you're becoming a very notable player in the league. Not that you weren't playing at MSG, but it's a different deal coming off the bench as opposed to starting, which brings me to Michael Grange's latest, mm. in which he mentioned, you know, here, here's the direct pull quote. Dennis Schroeder wasn't exactly happy with the decision to bring him off the bench prior to the trade, according to sources. One of the reasons he signed with the Raptors in free agency this past summer was the prospect of having his own team to run after coming off the bench for the Los Angeles Lakers last season and the Boston Celtics the season before that. Okay, he's a bench piece, and you know what? Bench unit looks a whole lot better with a competent point guard running that unit. But does, does that give you any pause, Brent, that this is a guy who was sold one thing and very quickly was told, nah, that's not the thing anymore. It just leads further credence to that it's winning time. Dennis Schroeder will be totally happy with this role. Well, I, let me walk that back. Dennis Schroeder will be fine with this role. If this is a winning organization and things are going well and it's fun to be a Raptor because you're winning games, he'll learn to be comfortable with that because I think, you know, say what we will about quickly and we love the player. I don't think that a young player is not, capable of having a down spell where Dennis Schroeder finds himself having a slightly bigger role again on this team. It also, you know, we like to do the the body language doctor reading between the lines on so many of these quotes. It does kind of color all of the quotes I've heard from Dennis Schroeder this year, yeah. talking about Coach Darko, like he is the greatest human in the history of mankind, of him desperately needing and wanting more of a role on this team. And that's exactly how I would be talking to my boss and the person who controlled my playing time and all of that. That, that was the biggest thing that jumped out at me because you go back and listen and it's nothing but glowing comments. And even when it's critical, it's we've seen so much better of coach Darko in this from Schroeder. And, you know, part of it is that we just see him on the Raptors show. Like he does fair amount of hits there. So we have a little more insight on that player than we do most guys. But yeah, that was the thing that kind of jumped out the most to me was, Hmm, that does make me think about all the positive things he said, that it's certainly a guy who not to say he doesn't believe some of what he's saying, but yeah. how can you not look at that as I'm going to butter up this guy so that hopefully I can have a bigger role on the team here. Well, he did have a big role and he was starting point guard yep. on a team that was well below 500. Mm, so scoreboard yep. like, yeah. And Good job. they've been <laughs> much better with Emmanuel quickly. Uh, running the show, and you know what? You look pretty good in two guard sets with quickly and really good running the, the second unit. So he's a pro. Uh, I expect him to continue to be so. All right, when we come back, back into William Nylander and the Toronto Maple Leafs. What's the baseline for this player now that he's making $11.5 for the next eight years beyond this one? That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.